Welcome to the Queen Divas Queens of Fitness podcast. Join your hosts, three-time WBFF world champions and WBFF royalty, Alicia Gowans and Stephanie Ayala McHugh, as we explore all things female health, training, competing, mindset, and living the fitness life every day. So I'm super excited to uh, join back with Steph after having had a few weeks off because she's been in prep hiatus with a million things going on with shows across the Bahamas and then getting ready for Dallas and then also prepping for Worlds herself, which I'm actually rather jealous about. But oh, I'm, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Honestly, this whole time that we've communicated, Ali, every time I'm like, don't even want to say anything to you because my it's been horrible. I'm like, I don't want to rub horrible. this face or like I'm doing well and like you know yeah, and I know. I, it's just weird it's weird not being able to do this prep know. knowing that you're going to be there and that I'm going to see you there so. and it's really weird for me too not being able to actually physically be there for all of our team that are competing and I'm constantly getting questions and I I hadn't ruled it out for a while but then I was just like you know what with everything going on we keep having these states shut down all the time I mean chances are very freaking slim so let's you just regroup again Right. You exactly. Yeah. Again, yep. I heard like so. I was like, let's just regroup, come back next year strong, go for. It's just, it's a shame I can't get my four in a row. I'm really, I feel gypped. <laughs> you are. You actually feel ripped you off. Feel that way because you are this pandemic. Feel ripped like, off. Oh my god. Through like a big <sighs> rank for all the. Do you know what I do love? Yeah. I can't get my fourth in a row. That kind of. I won't say it doesn't upset me because it really tears the fork out of my nighty, if you know what I mean. And it's upsetting. But what I will say is this, my comeback to reclaim my crown will be sweet. That will be a great journey and a great story. And I'm going to love selling that once I get kicking, you know, kicking off on it, which we just got to make sure that the world is doing what it should be doing. But we have a very special guest with us today and someone that I have been, we've been trying to line this up now for a couple of months. She's a very good friend of mine, Kayla Malberg. She is one of, I think, one of globally the up and coming leading women's health specialists. And I'm going to let her talk about herself more than I can, even though I'm a pretty good pimp. I know how to sell people here. Um, she is legitimately one of the brightest minds and one of the, you know, just most beautiful people inside and out um, when it comes to anything with this. And whenever I have any of my team going through anything or I'm asking questions, I'm just immediately sending them her Instagram link. And I'm like, follow this lady because that's where you need to find some really good quality information when it comes to all things pertaining to, you know, the female cycle, the impact of that on training, nutrition, you know, just our physiological um, differences between, you know, masculine and feminine when it comes to being on the gym floor. And I was lucky enough that I actually undertook the women's physiology course with, um, with Kayla. I was one of, I think the, I was one of the first group, wasn't I? And it's a wealth of information and it's astounding when you actually do look at some of the physiological differences between, you know, females and males, even in, you know, even down to our rib cages, like our, just everything. I'm going to let Kayla go into more detail. <laughs> Kayla, please take the floor and talk us through how you went from being, you know, um, as I was saying to Stephanie, a female American football player, which is pretty epic, <laughs> to exercise scientist, to physiotherapist 
to women's health specialists. This is an amazing journey. You've had an amazing career so far, and I'm excited to watch it keep growing. But talk us all through how it even evolved. Wow, what an introduction. First <laughs> of all, thank you guys so much for having me, Steph Ali. I'm honored. Um, I guess it all started for me like from a really young age. Um, I was always into playing sports. I was always kind of like a little tomboy, grew up playing soccer, basketball, all those kind of team sports and things like that. So yeah, I really had a passion for sport and exercise <laughs> from a really young age. Uh, and then, yeah, so all sort of through school, I uh, I wanted to, I had a few different career paths that I was sort of thinking about. So one, at one stage, it was like, a, I want to be an Olympic track athlete. And then, wow. and then it changed to like, <laughs> and then it changed to like a lawyer, which is really kind of weird. Um, <laughs> and at one stage, like a politician. Oh my God. So, very ambitious. Love it. <laughs> I can actually picture you as a politician now that we've thrown that one on the table. I could. You're pretty. Really? That's yeah. You yes. No. You're pretty smooth. You're pretty smooth. You're pretty diplomatic. <laughs> I reckon you could do it. Um, that day. Diplomatic, maybe, but like oh, a little bit of a fence sitter. So I don't know about like I don't like being too over opinionated. You know. But I feel like that's what politicians do. It's behind the scenes when they actually execute some stuff. But I feel like publicly they're oh, diplomatic. Yeah, they. they... <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'm so glad for, for my for my own gain and the rest of the world now getting all of the information you have to give. I'm so glad you chose the path you chose because in politics you would have definitely been, uh, you know, we would have been missing out. Yeah, well, it was actually like now that you say that, it, I, I kind of actually just fell into everything that I've sort of come by really. Um, yeah, when I finished school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I was passionate about sport and exercise and I was always reading up you know, on article, the latest articles or mainly more focused towards nutrition rather than, uh, and exercise rather than like, you know, injuries and physio yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Like a lot of people, you know, the story of physios is like, oh, when I was growing up, I had all these injuries and I, my physio really helped me. And then, so then I wanted to be a physio and help, but that's like, not really yeah, my right. story. Like, yeah. So I just, I did exercise in sports science and I always kind of had the notion of going in towards into doing nutrition and um, yeah, just through my degree, I attained my, um, what's it called? The certificate three and four in fitness. So yes. became a PT, was working as a PT as I was studying and then, yeah, it just so happened that I, a lot of my friends that were doing my course wanted to do physio and I kind of missed out on the nutrition side of things when I first got into doing my exercise and sports science. I could have gone on to do it, but then I sort of chose, I was like, oh, everyone's wanting to do physio. What's do the physio, physio thing about? So I applied for it and like amazingly, luckily got in. And I wasn't even sure when I started, I was like, I'll just try it for a semester and see if I enjoy it. And yeah, ended up finishing, loved it, loved everything sort of about the body or the anatomy um, and everything mm. like that. Um, but when I first left um, university and started working as a full-time physio in a clinic, 
I didn't really like I really missed the training side of things and I felt mm. like there was I guess there was a gap missing between rehab and performance yeah and so you know I really loved the coaching side of things and and helping people be better than they are um but I also really loved at the same time helping people get out of pain and get back Mm. to a place where they can function properly um but as every sort of physio wants to work like with athletes and things like that I found it more interesting and exciting working with people more in the sort of the performance realm performance realm um, yeah 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 and so from there I yeah I changed clinics I did a lot more to do with it was all very strength rehab based and then we sort yeah. of went into like the Pilates side of things which I didn't really align with too much uh, and then I started working at base gym in Sydney uh, under base body babes and Australian strength coach so you know learned lots of awesome information uh, through them and you know that's where I kind of went a little bit more the female specific route so a lot of learned a lot about strength training and performance through bass and then um through uh the women's gym I I started you know studied a lot more to do with uh female in terms of you know the pelvic floor anatomy and um training during pregnancy through my actual physio degree i was able to do continuing educa- education courses through that because we did have a lot of females that were coming through with uh or who were you know wanting to get pregnant or yeah. who were pregnant and then also who were wanting to get back after pregnancy but not only that also women who lifting heavy were experiencing pelvic floor issues at the same time as well so yeah so from there then I started I packed up everything and traveled the world and started teaching uh, seminars in in different gyms sort of all around the world and then COVID happened and I launched my online course more directed towards females specifically so yeah. yeah, I guess that. And it's um for yeah. anyone listening to this, I cannot cannot give a higher level of recommendation for her physiology women's um advanced women's physiology course because it's actually amazing. Like it takes you through and breaks you through each sort of segment on you know how we're structured to how you know training impacts us to then the reproductive cycle itself and then also you know um, nutrition elements around those times. And it's really, yeah, it's really quite phenomenal. It's really worth, for anyone who is a solid PT that doesn't have a higher education behind them, this would be a really great way to level up, skill up and further develop your toolkit, I think, when it comes to, especially if you are female-focused, you know, client-based, this is a, a really great feather in your cap to have. So we will have information on that poster show and I'll get Michaela at the end to basically talk about, um, you know, the next intake and where you can do them. And I encouraged her to do an on the road one and and a face-to-face the minute that COVID freed up and allowed her to do it in Australia because she's very powerful on that floor. So what she talked about was she said linking the two I've got two specialists that I cannot highly recommend enough, and it's it's Kayla and Zenia. And Zenia is a little bit of a different breed to Kayla because Kayla is a physio as well as doing the whole physiology side. So she's a little bit different, but she will look at you holistically. And then 
move you through pain into execution. It's very, it's quite cool. It's awesome to work with. So, so for anyone that isn't sort of, you know, aware of that, tap into all of this later when we finish the podcast and, and Kayla gives us the instructions on where you can find that information. But the topic of today and the reason for having this amazing guest on with us, and we did forget to talk about the fact that she is a very proficient American football player here. She's a, she's an amazing athlete. I love this. I just I'm, my first photos of seeing her was this staunch, bloody woman in these big shoulder pads and jersey, <laughs> kid with a helmet. She had the little stripes across her face. I'm like, this bitch is tough. I like her already. And then I met her in person. She's she's a little softer than she looks on that field. But man, I like she's a talented athlete. So I love that. And coming from someone who has been a talented athlete, then gone on to the academia, then into application, what I love about that is she knows what she's talking about when she's referencing the the concepts surrounding, you know, female cycle and its impact on sports, she's lived it at a very high level. So there's really nothing that, you know, anyone sort of presents to her that she's not familiar with across the board. Um, But that is the topic that we're moving into today is in particular, we've covered off poo in another episode now we're going to cover off bleeding and cycle and hormones and all the fun things that as a woman we cannot avoid but we honestly most people don't know enough about it and you know for our listeners I will be honest and say that tracking a cycle is not something most women do and I will get most people to start with me and I'll be like so what day are we at in cycle they're like what cycle? Well, I'm not talking about a Les Mills class here, guys. I'm talking <laughs> about your bleeding cycle. Where are we at? What do you mean? What do you mean what day? And I'm like, what? You don't even track this. You don't even know. Do you know when you ovulate? What's that? What's that? What, what does that look like? Like, I'm serious. This is like some of the stuff I get. So, sure. yeah, right. Steph, how many times, Stephanie, do you have someone go, oh, my God, I feel like this and this and this. And they're giving you all these symptoms. I'll be like, okay, it's, so where it's are we at? In your menstruation cycle? Like how many, how many yeah. women, not just track, but aren't aware yeah. of symptoms. Like, you know, exactly. what to look out for, what to kind of give yourself a little break on whenever we're dealing with these things, because we are undergoing something of this every month. So you should become exactly. a little more aware of when it is, right? Like this is twin- tending to happen, right? Your tendencies, yes. your trigger points. It comes yes. most of the time around your cycle, you know, obviously repeating itself. So if you start tracking, I think this is what Allie really hit it right mm-hmm. off the gate. Please, ladies, anybody listening to this right now, get to tracking your period. Like that is so, so important. Like it is so crucial, not just for mood, you know, as well as the symptoms, exactly. as well as your training, like your training exactly. is so, so much. And it's, it's, actually lead into it. it's knowing too, right? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because you go, oh, I'm bloated. I think it's the bread or I think it's this or I think it's that. And it's like, right. yeah, okay, that would be relevant if we weren't ovulating or if we weren't, you know, coming into your cycle in five days time, you're just literally bloated from, you know, some other components that are physiological symptoms. It doesn't mean you need to cut something out or reduce calories or do something drastic with food that right. doesn't need to happen, I guess is my point. There are impacts though of the way the body will digest food at different phases. And I'm going to let Kayla go into that in a little bit more detail. 
But what I'm referencing is just the knee-jerk reactions sometimes people will have because they just don't they just don't understand where they're physically at physiologically, right? So Kayla, talk us through. Let's actually break into the, it's almost like doing that segment inside of the women's physiology course again, where we open up for the little the little pink slide and it's all about the cycle. Let's go through that one. Yeah, perfect. Where do you want me to start? So I think first of all, let's talk through, okay, well, what is it? What does the full cycle look like? What are the phases? What's the normal duration? And then maybe I think in particular for a lot of women listening to this, what are the common symptoms that you have going on month to month, but you don't even register that that's linked to hormones, raging, surging, declining as they do with the normal wane of our cycle? Yeah. So I think the first, most important thing to point out is that like every woman experiences her cycle differently and not only that every woman experiences her cycle potentially differently month to month so you know one month could be you know she might have a longer cycle she might have a shorter cycle depending on a number of different factors like there are so many factors that contribute to you know, the changes in the cycle that we see, and that can be 100% like training, it can be dieting, it can be stress is a huge one as well, like all these different impacts, environmental impacts that have such uh, an impact on, you know, our menstrual cycle. So I guess if we break it down, like right to the nitty gritty, you know, we have this cycle because we are responsible for, reproduction right so like women are responsible for the existence or the continuation of the human race basically Um, and you have that moment where you're like with great responsibility I don't know if this is filmed, but like, can people see you throwing up the bike? Yeah, I did. That's why I did it because people, are, I'm going to be on YouTube oh, yeah. and people are going to watch me flexing <laughs> at the yeah. fact that we're responsible for all of human life. <laughs> yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, if we break it down, like, right to the nitty gritty, um, we have two main phases, which can be broken down again into sort of like, I guess, four kind of sub phases if that kind of makes sense so we have like our first phase is our follicular phase and technically menstruation or bleeding is a part of that phase and then we have our second phase which is our luteal phase um, and then ovulation kind of occurs you know somewhere in the middle there and so what's kind of happening during that follicular phase during that um you know, that very first phase of menstruation when we're actually bleeding is all our hormones have just dropped. They're all super Mm. low. Um, You know, our main ones being estrogen, progesterone as women. Um, And that's sort of, you know, we might, we kind of have this idea that being on your period is like really bad and it's really bad for Mm. training, really bad for competing and things like that. That can be true, like, more sort of towards the start when you're just coming down off like the high from the hormones from the previous phase but you know once they sort of start to level out women even while they're still bleeding can start to feel you know a lot better because we have kind of this male-like physiology where our hormones are quite stable during this phase um and then you know as as estrogen starts to rise uh we start to you know and we sort of stop that bleeding this is when what's happening actually like 
at a cellular level is that the the egg is becoming more mature in the ovaries. So what happens is we actually have some hormones from the brain. So um, our pituitary gland in our brain releases what's called FSH and LH. And during that follicular phase, it's called it's FSH, which is follicle stimulating hormone. And it's, it's a gonadotropin, which actually goes down to the uterus, down, oh, sorry, down to the ovaries, and it, it signals uh, the maturation of the eggs or the oocytes. And um, what happens is it starts to build up cells around the egg, and these cells start producing estrogen. And then we sort of start to see that, that rise in estrogen as we enter sort of the later follicular phase uh, mm. leading up to ovulation. Yeah, and then uh, and then so you know as as estrogen sorts sort of starts to rise, we sort of start to feel an increase in energy. Um, women tend to become a little bit more sexual. They you know libido increases because these are our sex hormones, right? So you yeah. know she's she's becoming fertile. She's looking for a mate. She's looking to fertilize her eggs. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we sort of see this, this rise in estrogen and it can be a really good time, um, you know, to go a little bit harder in your training if you're feeling like this, right? And it can also be a, a good dieting tool as well because our, um, our hunger tends to decrease during this time. So, you know, there, is, there have been studies that have shown the inverse relationship between appetite and sex drive. So, you know, when you sort of, you know, looking for a mate, you're not really focused on looking for food, whereas like the opposite is, uh, is almost true. Unless you're uh, dating at restaurants and then you kind of join both. <laughs> so true though. It's so true. And actually just to backtrack for one second, for everyone listening, when we're talking about recording your cycle, right, which most people won't know, but typically day one of your cycle is your first day of a proper full bleed. So if you start on, say, the Tuesday, but it's in the afternoon and it's like only light, that's not technically day one. Day one's actually Wednesday when you're full heavy. So for anyone knowing, if they're actually starting to track their days in this cycle, that's kind of how you want to go. Now, one thing that I do find very interesting about ovulation, Kayla, is flushed face. You actually get more red in the face. It's kind of random. They reckon that it's a bit of a glow that women get and it's part of the sexual sexual attraction thing too because of the whole concept of mating, right? Um, but that's actually to do with blood flow, isn't it? There's like an increase in, I don't know, you'll tell us. You'll probably have it way better on top than me. I'll probably bastardise it, but I do know there's an increase in blood flow and it's all linked to the fact that everything's releasing, everything's starting to peak, everything's starting to, you know, come through and be ready for fertilisation. Yeah, so as we sort of, I guess, reach more towards ovulation, we see, we see like, it, there's kind of like a feedback loop with the, the FSH, the gonadotropin and the estrogen. So it keeps releasing more and more to, you know, stimulate the maturation of those eggs. And then what happens is, once there's a big surge, like a really big surge of estrogen, we see a spike of estrogen just before ovulation. It sends, it's almost like a, it's, it stops the release of FSH. So it's like a, like, it's like a feed forward loop. And then it's like a feedback loop where it's like, okay, stop this, start releasing luteinizing hormone, which is LH. Yep. And then what happens is that 
again goes down to the reproductive organs and starts releasing um, or progesterone is starting to release. So LH actually degrades the ovary wall. The egg is released into the fallopian tube and then um, what's left over is called the corpus luteum, which starts producing progesterone, which helps to thicken the uterine lining and stuff like that. And so when we see this release in progesterone, progesterone actually starts to increase our core body temperature as well. Mm -hmm. So during the luteal phase, the second phase of the cycle that we sort of spoke about before, this is following ovulation, um, we start to see this, this rise in core body temperature. We see a rise in metabolism as well. So this is why we kind of get hungrier. Because we see these, these I, I don't know if you guys have spoken on the podcast about before, but leptin levels start to drop and women are quite yes. sensitive um, to yeah. leptin. So you start feeling, yeah, like less satiated, more hungry, want to eat more food because we're burning more energy. Um, and yeah, that'll be sort of a reason why that we start to get like this flushed face as well. Like our increase, yeah. our, our core body temperature is increasing as well. Um, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, so then, yeah. What I find so the most egg is, is, is the training part, honestly. Sure. Like yes. I think also, just like for me, when from everything, you know, just from obviously experience, we all have our period. We all deal with the cycle. And I think when you don't track and you're not aware, and um, I, I get so many messages from clients of like, oh my God, I couldn't lift so heavy today. Yeah. And they don't even consider the fact that they're on their period. I'm just saying like, it should have already been something that you didn't, you, you already self-answer, right? Like, oh, I already know I can't, like, it's okay. It's okay this week if I can't go as hard or if I need a little more recovery or if I need to switch up my, you know, obviously my training a little bit um, to be able to get back into it. Like, obviously to be able to see uh, some more results too, because we get so, so in our head about how we look on these days. Oh my God, my yeah. abs left. Like yesterday I had them. Like, oh my God, they disappeared. Like I look like a balloon or like a whale you know like all these things that and I personally have said these things you know like oh my god I feel like a whale like actually I was like that last week I was just all in my head like, yeah holy shit like I, I had abs a couple days ago I completely lost them and and it's okay like I understand what my body's undergoing so yeah. you don't give yourself all this grief like you don't freak out and you don't throw in the towel thinking that this is not working right like the prep isn't working or your diet or all well, your hard work went out the window so really trying to make sure you are just aware of the symptoms as well as what it affects in your training to me is the most important um as well i mean like the symptoms you can't get by them like we're gonna have them some women deal with them like you said you know more than others or some have more yeah. irregular cycles than others um so if you do have more irregular cycles you probably have harder symptoms uh if you have something more regular then you're probably going to deal with something that uh, is probably a little more manageable um and on I that think um yeah go on ahead. that note steph um in the first phase there kayla when we're looking at okay bleeding started we're coming through and then we're you know getting this sort of increasing you know rise in a certain hormone and then a big surge what, what is the impact on training at those points typically? Now, obviously, it's different for everyone, but what can people expect to see when they're in that initial sort of crescendo? Yeah, so like I said before, like during that phase where like menstruation, where the, the, all the hormones are low, we sort of have this really stable physiology can be a really good time to, to train and compete and things like that. We have mm. more of this like male-like mm. physiology. 
Um, and then as estrogen starts to rise, like our, our energy levels are going to rise. Um, you know, estrogen is also known as an anti-catabolic hormone. So, you know, really good for strength training, really good for recovery, really good for, you know, maintaining, putting on and maintaining muscle mass. Um, and then sort of, you know, around ovulation is when it, it all kind of peaks. But one thing that we need to be careful of around ovulation and when estrogen peaks as well is that um, it can also be a higher risk for injury. So they've done yep. studies on AFL players where they found that, and as well with our structure and things like that, which we can go into if you want to a little bit later, um, they found that ACL injuries were a lot more prevalent, um, soft tissue injuries a wow. lot more prevalent Um you know, during like around ovulation when estrogen was higher. Um, and we find the same thing in pregnancy as well. When there is a greater surge of estrogen during pregnancy, this is when women tend to experience more of that pelvic girdle pain when all the ligaments yeah. are loosening to, you know, yeah. create the space in the pelvic area for the baby. Um, and, you know, historically it's been sort of thought that Laxin was actually the hormone responsible for the ligament laxity. Yeah. But um, recent studies have showed that that's more sort of to do with rats and not humans. And then when we looked at humans and compared humans um, and the ligament laxity in their knees and things like that, it what it did follow more of like this estrogen curve as well. So that's super interesting. Yeah. Around training. Yeah. And I only ask that question. I only ask that question because, um, like, Steph probably doesn't have it because she's not, like, nursing the physiological crap I am with my back. But I find for me, even though at technically at that point leading up to ovulation I should be feeling stronger, I actually feel a little bit opposite. I actually feel like I've got to pull back. It's where I have my most chronic states of pain with my back and I have a central nervous system that feels like it's just got the floodgates open and it's on a high alert. But then the minute that I drop and I start coming and progesterone starts rising, I find it eases off and I find I get a bit of relief and I find then I can start pushing a little bit more load. So I'm probably one of those odd ones. It's a little outside of the realm of what hormonally naturally I should be feeling but that's directly related to injuries that makes a lot of sense to me and that's another reason why I asked because I wanted to um, have you talk about the impact of these surges on connective tissues and stuff like that so that's that's awesome because I think that's again something people don't realize it's very no I've definitely had clients the same that you know around ovulation it's not a great time for them they're feeling like you know not the best around that time as well and you know with with uh in the gym like it is a safe environment like it is a lot of a safer environment as opposed to say like contact sports or something like that so you know we can we can push hard if we're feeling good like you said Ali but maybe instead of you know if your if your program says back squat but you're you don't feel stable enough or you feel like you know not great there like you have the option to go maybe leg press and like change that up so knowing where you are in your cycle because you can go hard on a leg press where you're quite externally yep. stabilized and yes. there's a less risk of injury there you can fail in a good position as opposed to like you know a low bar squat or something like that yep. where you're a lot less externally stabilized so knowing that can be really really empowering and, and yep. Steph as you said before you know it is really empowering for women 
to be able to know, you know, where in their cycle they are and that may be contributing to some of the feelings or some of the weight gain that they sort of see. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, probably one of the most important things. It's just, you know, it's not like we have to, I guess, you know, be a victim to our cycles. Like we can use it as an ergo, ergogenic. We can use it as a training aid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and there are some really great benefits. There are some really great benefits for training for us as well. Yeah. Yeah. And hitting on the weight thing, just because I think this is something that we forget, everyone forgets that fluctuation is okay. Like it is okay mm. during your cycle. Like this is yep. normal. We're like, am I weird or why am I gaining so much? Or is this, you know, <laughs> obviously a normal thing? I'm, Absolutely. Like this is, and hey, some women yes, they may not, but um, more so. Steph, what you, what's a, yes. What's your average fluctuation? To let everyone understand that you and I both experience this, but it's real, <laughs> right? Honestly, Where, how far can yours go? How far can yours go either side? Give or take two or three pounds. So for me, that would be yeah. oh, well, in, in, in kilos. That would actually be almost a kilo, like from half yeah. to a kilo, half a kilo yeah. to a kilo. Like, and that's pretty drastic for someone just, I'm saying that looks at the scale all the time, you know, and like, oh my yeah. God, what just happened? Like just gain three pounds. And that for, for me, that would be a whole, kilo. well, technically yeah. a kilo and a half, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great for people to know that because I think that they look at, you know, I think people that just have not yet reached a level where you're at step will look at you or some of the other big name profile ladies and be like, oh my gosh, you know, I bet they don't experience this. I bet it's just me. But no, we all experience it. You know, I will have at times sort of two kilo gain at different times during ovulation and, and then I kind of drop it and then I get it back again when I'm, when I'm menstruating. So yeah, 100%. Kayla, I'm sure you are the same. Like we we all experience this and it is completely normal. I'd love to know more about the benefits though when you when we look at the benefits of all of this. Yeah, like the benefits of estrogen. Yeah, yeah and the benefits of the training for us even maybe on the regulation of some of these things without it being quite so chaotic either the symptoms that we might have. Yeah, so I mean, like I said before, estrogen being anti-catabolic, it actually helps us, you know, with protein synthesis, helps us maintain muscle mass. It actually also helps us with recovery. So I don't know if you guys have trained with male partners or counterparts or, you know, training buddies, things like that. But, you know, we're kind of ready to go after a few minutes rest yeah. if you're on like a heavy yeah. strength set, whereas the guys need a lot more time to recover and then to back up their heavy set. I mean, we are probably lifting, you know, absolutely lower weights uh, than them. But, you know, in terms of like training splits for women, we can hit legs three, four times a week, whereas for guys, their recovery time is going to be a lot longer, right? Like they're going to... Yeah you know, maybe once, twice a week, maybe once every, you know, 10 days or something like that, because, um, you know, just the way that we're able to recover um, is a lot quicker than guys. And, you know, our, you know, rest between sets doesn't need to be as long as them. And, and we're able to also go for a higher number of reps for a higher intensity mm-hmm. Than those than them as well you know even though our one rms our absolute strength might be lower uh our relative strength is you know really up yeah. there in terms of and and that's got 
that's got stuff to do with muscle fiber type and things as well not just you know no no system exists in isolation it's not just you know to do with hormones but it plays a massive role in it as well Steph, have you ever noticed like your ability to push greater weight at certain times of cycle? Are you someone who typically sits in that middle of the month zone? You know, for me, it's actually lead from the middle to the lead up. It's like normally me hitting some of my best lifts leading up to my period week. So that would be, um, it's so, so sad. Carrie always makes fun of me because like on my leg day, particularly, it's like, I get my period, like on the day of it must be the way it must I was just gonna I would get get so upset because I was just about to have a good session I'm like I was literally about to to hit it hard and here it goes I like run to the bathroom because you already know you know it's like Uh, it's so funny in the middle of a session like god that's like the worst you know and I think it happens so often for me on a leg day that that's why he does make fun of me um but I think that it's just uh for me on the second half after ovulation that's where I've also noticed an increase of strength but I do also notice just mood changes writing me this like Mm. after um just the period being gone like when you were when you were uh, referring to the follicular phase the second portion or the ending um of the follicular phase where I I start noticing my my mood just changes completely. Like I start feeling so much better, you know, like my spirit is light. I don't necessarily feel like moody and just kind of, uh, we get in our head. And for me, like uh, mood swings are real, especially just as coaches, Ali, you relate, we deal with so many women and then sometimes kind of like rubs off on you, right? Like it just kind of goes in in energy waves and it like kind of comes, I'm like, oh God, go for her, you know? But in and it's more about like um, mood for me in the first half of the cycle. Second half, I notice uh, more of my training increasing uh, as well in strength. My intensity, I'm like so much better immediately after uh, like my recovery is on point. Um, I, but then ovulation, I'm going to have to test uh, a little bit more on like the, I haven't really noticed yeah. or paid attention as far as my actual ovulation day, how my training goes or I, I'm not as light as you, Ali, so I don't get flushed. I don't ever get flushed. <laughs> so I do. You can even see it now. Look at me now. Like you can see it right now. That's why I was like, I brought it up because this I know, is what I, know. Actually, I get, and because I don't wear makeup, you can see it on me, right? So I get really pink and it's only ever literally around those surges. So at that peak and coming into the peak of ovulation, this is what happens to me. And then I'm like, normal again it's so strange Christos always makes fun of me yeah yeah. you'll probably get a little just a little bit of color in your cheek Steph it'll be why you won't go red like me you'll just get a little bit of color but um I just noticed the difference because of my connective tissue situation with my back and just the pain situation the signals are on like red alert for me so I find ovulation like that but ovulation pain is also not uncommon is it Kayla like it's not uncommon for a woman to get tenderness and to get sore and to even get little cramps when you're actually releasing the eggs it's that's not uncommon either yeah no a lot of women can experience you know a lot of different symptoms and you know some of the symptoms we we kind of think that they're we kind of accept them as well we kind of think you know you know they're common so they're normal but a lot of them aren't necessarily normal like women shouldn't really be having extremely painful periods let's say like you know a sign of of you know there might be something 
potentially underlying wrong could be like extremely painful periods or, you know, symptoms that, uh, you know, are maybe not, not necessarily normal. So, you know, we need to be careful as well that, you know, we're not just accepting certain symptoms as, as normal um, because it could be, you know, I guess a a signal of something underlying that, may potentially be wrong like PCOS endometriosis yep. like that and actually one of my questions Kayla since you're actually touching on that would be um when you're skipping your period so this is a very common question yeah, good question I skipped my period this month is that something you know I should be worried about and especially for competitors or anybody in a competition phase I think it's also a very common thing when the woman starts dropping too much body fat or gets to such a lower uh body fat level that uh they do skip their period or lose uh obviously being able to you know have any of the phases go through they have the symptoms but they actually don't bleed you know so um Mm. what would you say you know besides lower body fat levels um and or how long can they even stay there in in your opinion yeah well i mean this is the thing so you know what happens is is like everything is a stress right so like training is a stress and dieting is a stress and we have we have life stress, we have, um, you know, business stress, whether it's like, you know, work, whether it's relationships, whether it's financial, whether it's COVID, like all these other stresses um, in our environments, right? Like so much stress. And so when the body is sort of overstressed, whether it be, you know, stress could be it's exercising too much or it's uh, not getting enough food, not getting enough calories, it's not a safe environment for us to reproduce right it's not a safe environment for us to get pregnant and have a baby um and bring like life into the world so you know the body kind of shutting down the hormones or like down regulating the hormones is you know we call it a dysfunction but it's actually an adaptation the body's doing what it's supposed to do to sort of keep us safe it's it's basically you know saving those calories or saving the energy to keep us alive so, you know, our brain takes up a lot of energy. We need we need these calories for our functioning of our heart, functioning of our mm. organs. So imagine like, you know, the the expansive like energy tax that making a baby is gonna take. It's yeah. not a safe environment. So so that's why the body sort of it down regulates like the release of hormones because you know, having your menstrual cycle, it's you know, a sign of health but it's not necessarily something that we need for survival. Um, And, you know, as well, like a lot of, I think, young girls think that, you know, losing their cycle, it doesn't really matter if they don't want to have a baby at the time. But for some, it can take years to get get back. I get that a lot. No, I do. Yeah, my my media reaction. A lot from from, from women. Yeah, it's true, Steph. Like we hear this a lot. And my immediate reaction is, yeah, that's fine because you're 22, but at some point when you meet the right man, you're actually, or woman, I don't care, you're actually going to want to have a baby probably. I won't say all because I've got a lot of clients that never want them and that's fine, but I'm going to say 70%. 
it could well, be that's true, on the other on the other spectrum because I actually had that's a conversation true. not too long ago with a like a client that was actually just like no I'm I'm just just closing that chapter of my life like I don't I don't want to have a children you know I don't want to have any children and I'm, you know what that's a that's a personal decision and um, exactly. Well, you know, of course, it's your choice. But um, if you understand your health and your organ function, your correct, health, uh, and how that also brings down so many other down regulations in your system, um, I think that that's when we really reconsider, like birth control or IUDs, and you know, obviously, like knowing if you really don't want to have a child and taking prescription medicine that obviously cause these things yep. too. Because down the road, um, a longevity on taking anything um, yeah as well as going to cause these imbalances but also too right for that lady that's talking about not having them she's just past that point and that's fine like just think about the concept though that if you're losing cycle and happy to continue losing cycle you're actually going to be at detriment though with so many other things you're going to age faster you're going to have you know impaired metabolic capacity you so you will not have the life and the physique and the health that you want and you won't you won't age gracefully so it's in your best interest to still have a positive focus on a positive reproductive capacity and and have that as a health marker whether kids are a function for you or not right and they don't have to be for everyone but i would urge anyone young to just not get complacent and think oh it doesn't matter i can go three years without a cycle i'll be good no you really may regret that later and IVF is very expensive, so don't fuck yourself later. <laughs> Think about this now. So, you know, like that's just something I would throw out for the for our youngsters. And then, again, I would reiterate that the health markers of this function being in play goes well beyond just producing a baby for anyone that's kind of like, well, I don't want a baby anyway, because it really does. Mm -hmm. I mean, temporarily and short term, fine. If that happens, okay. But you kind of want to rectify it as soon as possible. Um, I know Kayla, yeah. you'll agree with me on that. It impacts so many other things. And think about it like yeah. this. If you're downregulating your whole estrogen and surge, you're missing a whole lot of gains. You're missing all this capacity mm -hmm. tying to into grow and recover. Right, right. Which with the tying into nutrition, like even going back to touching into what we were saying about, you know, leptin, you know, increasing or decreasing, you know, throughout the phases of, uh, of the menstrual cycle. Um, it's normal to have some cravings and tendencies during, yeah. you know, that, uh, period week. Um, where, where would you say, um, Kayla, just to kind of clear it up for everybody listening that, you know, kind of thinks they're crazy throughout the month, you know, dealing with these cravings, you know, the peak would be period week. Um, and when does that uh, stabilization normally happen throughout the month or throughout the cycle? Yeah. So, I mean, like just going back onto that point, uh, making a point about, you know, the other health markers, you know, progesterone has an effect on your nervous system as well so women who you know if we look at like postmenopausal women for example they have a, an increased risk of cardiovascular disease they have an increased risk of dementia alzheimer's um pro progesterone has neuroprotective effects on the body as well and then estrogen if we look at you know female athlete triad and things like that with mm. with the the yeah. down regulation of estrogen not being you know, not having that, uh, those anti-catabolic effects, we see decreases in muscle mass, lean muscle mass, yep. we see decreases in bone density as well. So women who are postmenopausal, who have gone through menopause, they're not getting their period anymore. You know, they're seeing 
things like osteoporosis, like all these sort of other diseases. Um, but then, Steph, going back to what you were saying about, um, you know, the cravings and things like that around the second part of the cycle, um, yeah, estrogen and progesterone have an effect on on your insulin as well. So during that yeah. first phase, during that follicular phase, we tend to be more insulin sensitive. And then during that second phase of the cycle, we tend to be more insulin resistant. So we're not utilizing carbs as well as we could be. And also that's, I guess, why you kind of crave a little bit more fats during that phase and why you can, you know, you know, you can even increase your calories. It's a great dieting tool. If you can stick to your calories, like, you know, while the energy is increasing, it's a great dieting tool, but, you know, allow yourself one to 200 extra calories a day, you know, have that piece of chocolate, you know, it's, it's a signal, right? Like your body's, mm. it's craving like the magnesium from the chocolate. It's craving the fats from the chocolate um, to help support, you know, your hormones and then, you know, satiate those cravings as well. And, and maybe, you know, decreasing your carbs, increasing your fats around this phase can be a way to sort of help offset those, those cravings and that hunger and a way that you can sort of work with your physiology as well. Awesome. That's awesome. And, and to obviously wrap up that craving side of things and food kind of things, what would you say, are there any type of um, things you would recommend or foods that would obviously alleviate um, any symptoms or help, you know, obviously like you even said, mentioned the dark chocolate I think dark chocolate or mm. I don't even think dark. I think I added the dark, but you said chocolate. So I just, yeah, I mean, definitely. So I think the most important ones for women as well uh, is going to be like I said before magnesium and and dark chocolate does contain a lot of magnesium as well zinc is important and also your b vitamins as well for women and women especially who are on oral contraception or some sort of hormonal contraception as well these you know we can get them in our diets we can get them from meats I think a lot of women are scared of eating like red meat as well because they think it's a lot fattier but that can be really helpful in our diet for um for supporting our hormones like during this this phase as well um and then you know if they're not getting it from their food say you know you are going into a prep and you're on really low calories some supplements might be able to help you know zinc magnesium vitamin b and things like that um and especially yeah those women who are on hormonal contraceptions who are you know their their normal hormones are suppressed and they're they're having you know these exogenous hormones these hormones outside the body these synthetic hormones almost like popped yeah. into their body um and that's going to yeah downregulate your normal hormones like your normal release of hormones as well and like we said before it can take some time to get back there and that's another episode for you guys but that's definitely going to be an episode you know talking about you know birth control and IUDs and how that also you know affects your training your metabolism and um obviously your physique if you're doing this for a goal um obviously your health in the in the long run so um that will be some juicy and good stuff for the next one but uh, Kayla it's been awesome being able to pick your brain and you know being able to you know hear obviously uh your very intelligent side of uh, the physio of the woman's body so I really appreciate Appreciate all of the details and and um, obviously every, every listener make sure to follow her you know make sure you guys also um, I think you guys are gonna tell us how to yes. get your um, uh, course online I think that that you have something yeah uh, how, do, how do we find that 
Yeah, so um, my course is Applied Women's Physiology and Training. It's an eight-week online course. Um, you can find it, I think at the moment it's kaleephysio.com, but we're going to be changing that to AWPT University. So that's um, the company that, our education company, that we're going to be releasing a few more courses that take a deeper dive into the AWPT. AWPT is sort of like a broad overview of it all, but you know, there is so much like we bigger vision, bigger vision. I see the transition. That's very good. But what is your Instagram? So if any listener uh, wants to just look you up on Instagram to be able to follow your journey there. Yeah. Instagram is just at Kayla Lee Physio. Okay. Kayla Lee Physio. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much much for coming on Kayla. That was awesome. And I think there's so much information there for everyone that's going through a lot of these things now they might as they're going through it, be like oh hang on a minute what about that podcast the girls had on and it might be this right I think um, I think it's really powerful um on one side note too for anyone listening to this one last thing that I found super interesting was the fact that progesterone when it's actually at its right you know I guess height and we've actually got the right amount that we're that we're meant to be getting I don't know about you girls, but I definitely feel it. How good is sleep? Oh, oh my yeah. God. Sleep is, sleep so, is so much better. Yeah. I find when I'm, yeah. when I'm at the point where it's lowest, that's actually where I have a little bit more trouble sleeping. So again, for anyone listening to this that might be having, you know, rough night sleep again, think where am I in my cycle? Because it may actually be affecting things. And sleep is another topic. We will definitely be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many it's topics. like this. We always end up in a conversation like, okay, that's going to be another one. That's going to be another one. That's oh, going to be another one. Well, thanks so much, Kayla. I've loved having you on. I know Steph has too. We've been talking about this for a while. So I'm really glad we've been able to cover off this topic. And for anyone listening, if you've got any questions, post this comment below, um, you know, send them through DM because we will definitely answer them. And then DM Kayla directly. She is an absolute institute of knowledge. She's awesome. Obviously your course is going to be coming out. So I'm excited. Thanks, Kayla. And thanks everyone. Thanks, Kayla. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Queen Divas, Queens of Fitness podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Queen Divas Pod, on Twitter at Queen Divas 4, and follow our hosts on Instagram, Alicia at Alicia Gowans underscore WBFF Pro, and Steph at Stephanie Ayala 7. See you all next week.